It's Tuesday, June 28th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor Andy Cross, from Income Investor James Early, and from Stock Advisor Teresa Moser. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Hey, Chris. We've got news from Nike and Disney, but we begin today in Greece, where Parliament is due to vote this week on a package of austerity measures, including spending cuts and tax increases. Labor unions have have called for a two-day strike, and more than 5,000 police have been deployed to the center of Athens to deal with the protests. Uh, James, obviously, this is an evolving situation, and I realize that this is tough medicine, but at the end of the day, the parliament has to pass this, don't they? Yeah, they have I to. totally agree, Chris. I, I don't mean to belabor the obvious in a callous manner, but I mean, what else is Greece going to do here? They're like the man sinking in quicksand and, and someone's sticking out the hand to help and they're, they're debating about whether they should take the help. They don't have a choice. Uh, I mean, they have, they have no leverage. Uh, they, they're, they're in trouble. The sad part, to be fair to the rioting Greeks, is that the Greek citizen is not nearly as levered as even the average American citizen is. They save a lot. They may not pay their taxes, but at least they're saving that money <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> stockpiling. You know, they're, they're, they're not uh, levered to the hilt like the country itself got into trouble or did uh, after joining the EU. Jason, yeah, what do they, you think? They don't pay their taxes or collect them, I guess. That's right. But, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, with James, it's, they don't really have a choice in the matter. It kind of... It, you know, we were talking, it made me kind of think about the kid where you present him a choice of two really vegetables that the kid may not like, like spinach or kale, you know. and Which James loves. Yeah, I'd exactly. Like, you don't have a choice in it. You get actually. one or the other, and, and you're not going to like it either way. All right. We will keep an eye on this as it unfolds during the week. Shares of Nike up big today after the company posted better-than-expected earnings. Uh Revenue up fourteen percent, Jason. What did you What did you make of their latest quarter? Yeah, it was it was a great quarter, and it was it was one we were kind of hoping for. You know, markets particularly in North America and China and emerging markets, countries like Argentina, Brazil, Korea, and Mexico, really really uh, gave the company some excellent revenues. And um, so the takeaways for me for for Nike were just that they continue to really strike in these emerging markets. The brand power is is just huge. I mean, there's this tremendous demand for the brand out there, and management's done a really good job of managing their way around these cost increases, uh, being able to kind of pass these higher producer costs along and realize a little bit more profitability. You know, one of the things that that Jason just touched on, but th- th- that we can't forget is is that the Nike brand is is continues to um, do extremely well around the world, especially on the growth side. So we talked a little bit about the cost inputs, which is which have have come, and they'll be able to pass a few mm-hmm. of those costs off and manage through those. But the growth side for the Nike brand continues to work around the globe. I mean, they have by one estimate I saw by one measurement, they have almost forty five percent of the sneaker market share here in the United States. Um, the, the Air Jordan brand alone is about eleven percent. So, um, and, and just put that in some context, Adidas and Reebok combined are about 13%. So you can see that the Nike brand continues to be a powerhouse behind the company and behind the stock price. Stock price has more than doubled over the last five years. So there is a lot of, um, of, of pent-up demand for their products, and that's showing up in the financials and in the stock price. Did you say Nike brand? I, you know, I pronounce <laughs> it Nike like and Nike. Nike. I, I, I kind of go, go back both and ways. Forth. Switch it around. Yeah, I keep saying I got to say Nike, but I think I grew up saying Nike, so huh. I just I sometimes like fall. Thing, maybe. I fall back in. It could be regional. It could be the, the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> the Amish so. There um, are a lot of Nikes. Another company that we talk about that is in this space is Under Armour. Um, when I was looking at the numbers, I was surprised to see that Under Armour is actually one tenth the size 
of Nike. I, I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but I don't think I was expecting Nike to be 10 times the size of Under Armour in terms of market cap. Um, what does Under Armour need to do to get to that level? Well, that gets that Chris, that gets a lot too. I think in the United States here, especially on the Eastern Seaboard, Under Armour, which is located in in Baltimore and is a, a hidden gems and a rule breaker recommendation for us, um, and done very well the last year. The stock has the stock has uh, more than doubled. So, um, but I think on the U.S., that's a, that's a very U.S. centric brand. Under Armour is a Nike global powerhouse. Yep. I mean, really, as Jason had talked about, the, the success they've seen across in, in all the markets, um, ex Japan. Uh, so, uh, a U.S. focused um, and pure U.S. focused investor may see Under Armour as a really kind of emerging growth story, and it is, and it's done it's done well. Although interesting. Uh, Nike over the last five years and Under Armour stock have both performed the same. They've both doubled. Um, so uh, long-term Nike global powerhouse, Under Armour, to get where they need to be, they need to continue to make inroads here both in the U.S. as well as over, overseas with their brand. And finally, Disney's Cars 2 took in $66 million at the box office over the weekend. It is the fifth biggest opening for a Pixar film. Uh, Andy, obviously $66 million is nothing to sneeze at, but in some ways, more notable uh, is the fact that this is the worst-reviewed movie Pixar has <laughs> yeah. ever made by a long shot. When you, if you go to the website Rotten Tomatoes, which aggregates all of the reviews that film critics, it's it's sitting at something like thirty-three percent. So you're you're basically looking at two out of three film critics are giving this movie a Panda. thumbs down. Are they going to get the raspy? Does does. Disney care about that, or is this movie just making so much money at the box office and through merchandising that they're like, whatever? Well, I don't know. Um, I'm sure John Lasseter, who who is the, the the brains and the vision behind Pixar, and and Robert Iger, who is the the, the um, head of Disney, doesn't like to see those ratings. And yet, like you said, seventy million number one at the box office again um, continues to just drive to demonstrate that Pixar has a magic. Now, is that has a luster, has the shine kind of worn off a little bit of that Pixar? I think some people are saying, well, maybe the movie isn't quite as good as before. Um, but don't forget, Pixar is more than just Cars too. And look at who goes to these movies. Is the target audience somebody who's going to read a review? No, it's, it's little kids. And they're going to see the movie no matter what the review says. Multiple, <laughs> multiple, multiple times. times. Little Jimmy Wilson <laughs> exactly. said two thumbs up. Um, how much does merchandising mean to a company like Disney? I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a huge company. A market cap's around $72 billion. Um, how big a factor is that in the revenue stream? It can be hard to divine the exact uh, dollar amount, Chris, because of some of the contracts that are set up with the producers and stuff. But basically, right now, Cars is probably doing a couple hundred million a year in merchandise, and, and they might go over a billion or, or more with, with the release of this movie. So I don't know exactly how much of that Disney gets, but it's probably a good chunk. We also have to remember, too, so Disney has essentially their, their revenue kind of goes into five different buckets. And in order, you have the media networks, which is the largest segment, and that garners close to 50 50% of uh, total garners. revenues. Garners, yeah. I've not heard that word in a podcast. Yeah, garners, yeah, okay. Well, garners, Nike, Euro. <laughs> today is a banner day. <laughs> so then after Media Networks, you have uh, parks and resorts, which you know we're always familiar with yep. Disneyland and Disney World. Then you have studio entertainment, uh, consumer products, and then interactive media. So the movies fall in that studio entertainment uh, segment, which brings in close to 15% of total revenues. So, I mean, you make a good point there. $70 million for a $70 billion company. Uh, it's not going to really probably move the needle that much. Disney is an intellectual property brand company, consumer-facing. I mean, that's why we like it in the Stock Advisor so much. And, it, and we talked about um, Pixar, Marvel. I mean, they just – the brands can go on and on when it comes to something like Disney. And that's really what you're buying. When you own Disney stock, you're owning the brands. So one reason why I think John Lasseter and Robert Iger and the folks at Disney would um, – 
pay attention to the success of something like cars, not just the money, but also because we talked about the merchandising. Mm-hmm. That spins off a lot of other areas in the company. Every brand they, they produce and every character they release to the public has brand implications. So I think from that perspective, they are saying, you know, we want to produce just the best. Pixar has a long history of being the number one producer of animated films here in, 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 in the world, really. And that's um, the success factor they want to continue to, to run out there time and time again. And that's the underappreciated thing about about brands and about a company like Disney is that compared to some drama that's a one off and, and then it just disappears. You know these movies with character based uh, or these character based movies can be continued over and over. They beat the sequels to death. We all know that, but they're making money and, and they make the backpacks, the shoes, whatever else. So it's just it's just a big cash cow. Yeah, and I, th- I think if you look at the two companies we talked about, Nike and Disney, I mean those are two uh, probably the top brands in the world. So I, they just continue to. I heard it cost ten bucks to make an Air Jordan. And, and they, they sell, sell them for 150 something. Something It's all marketing. Like that, yeah. That's quite yeah. believable. In yeah. keeping with Pretty the margins. automotive theme, if you had to road trip, I'm talking cross-country road trip, so you know, probably a week in the car with a Disney character, who are you going with? And you can't pick the princesses. You just, just The princesses are off limits. So, Andy, who are you going with? Uh, boy, I, I guess Mr. Incredible. I'll go with Mr. Incredible. I mean, like a lot of protection. I mean, you have to make room in your car. So you, uh, he's you, you a, I was going to say, he's a big guy. He's taking up a lot of room in your my, car. My Prius may not carry him. <laughs> so, so you said Mr. Incredible, incredible and you looked at Disney James. Character. I mean, are you implying yeah. that James, in fact, is Mr. Incredible? <laughs> I was just thinking about James and I are both Prius uh, owners, so okay. yeah. um, that may not work. But, you know, maybe I'll get something to tow him in and, you know, carry him around. James? I'm going to go with Sleepy, one of the doors, but he'll just shut up and not say anything, and, and it's a nice, Excellent quiet trip. Point. Yeah. Jason? I'm going to cheat here just a little bit, and I've said before, one of my favorite cartoons that we have on Disney Channel at home is Phineas and Ferb. Sure. I'm taking Phineas and Ferb. Uh, these two kids, they've got something going on all the time. Uh, Ferb is pretty quiet. Phineas is pretty uh, pretty, pretty talkative, brainy. gregarious, maybe. You don't think Phineas right. and Ferb's parents are going to mind? That you no, no. And, and, and really, they have, they have quite the imagination, so I think they'd keep it really interesting. I'm going with Mater because, you know what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not nearly the mechanic that James is, so if, if the car breaks down, Mater's going to take care of it, and push comes to shove, give me a tow. All right, Andy Cross, James Early. Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.